I have a handout this morning. I got some volunteers to help me hand these things out. You may recognize that this is the trellis that we've been talking about in service. Such a powerful, powerful image that we're going to talk about. And on the back is lined paper for you to take some notes as, you, as God is speaking to you about this trellis <clears throat> that we are building together. Um, how is he speaking to you? So we are kicking off our, our sermon series on God in My Everything, which is this amazing book. It's, it's over there in, in the, on that table, available for 10 bucks. But it's an amazing book written by Ken Shigematsu, and it's about how to live a life that's connected to God meaningfully and in every way in the midst of a culture that, uh, that doesn't necessarily encourage that. Uh, how do we develop a way of life where we can experience God in every part of our lives? So, so last week we kind of, we kind of did a little introduction to, to the book, and this week is going to be a big picture, zoomed out view um, of what a rule of life can look like, what a, tre- what a trellis could look like to support your relationship with God. Now normally in the preaching ministry on Sunday mornings, the goal is to preach on a, generally to preach through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, and then to do a deep dive into what that verse means, to relate it to our lives today, that's important. That's what I strive for. Um, and I believe there's a lots of power in going through the, through the scriptures verse by verse and really going deep into it. Um, but this morning, though that's the normal pattern, I want to do, I want to do a zoomed out uh, sermon uh, with some different topics in it that can, pre- that can preface our study that we're going to be doing in this book. So through this sermon, I hope... I hope that all of you, not just those of you who are in small groups, but everybody, um, will, will be inspired to pick up one of these books, God in My Everything, and read through it with me, even if you're not doing it in a small group. I really believe this is a book that God has for our church during this time, and, uh, and I encourage everyone who's part of this church to, uh, to pick it up and to read along. And this week we are uh, finishing out chapter one and the preface, discussing that. Next week, will, next week will be about Sabbath, which is chapter 4. So at times in this sermon, I'll be reading direct quotes from the book. And my desire in all of this is to spur everybody on toward the spiritual growth that will come as we seek God together in this special way. And um, the book, it's not a perfect book. It's not a perfect book. Big surprise. Um, every single book is flawed. Every author has points that we kind of don't fully agree with. The only book that we stand on as far as our faith is the scripture. That's our, that's our big book. And when, you know, we, we generally will adapt our lives to what it says rather than the other way around. That being said, uh, this book is, is a good book. It can make a huge difference in our lives if we, if we really jump into it. So today's is the big picture framework day. Next week, my favorite part of this sermon series will be delving into the, the various subtopics. So next week, we're going to be talking about Sabbath, Sabbath keeping, as a foundational root of our relationship with God. And that's going to be an eye-opening and interesting study uh, where we'll go through some scriptures about Sabbath. I think Sabbath is something that's in the minds of most Christians, and it remains in their minds. <laughs> I should have a Sabbath. I should be taking a rest. I should be resting in the Lord for, for a certain period of time. But most people have not put that into practice, at least not consistently. Um, myself included, everybody struggles with Sabbath keeping. So 
I'm really excited next week to talk about this, this root in the trellis of, of Sabbath with the Lord. You know, in six days, God created the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day, he rested. We are, we are being taught by God to work from rest, from a place of rest, rather than resting from work. Doesn't that sound good? Working from a place of rest in, in God and his finished work instead of, instead of exa- being exhausted and trying to find rest from, from our lives. So I'm excited, I'm excited for that, but today is the big picture. In our book, Ken Shigematsu talks about how Christian people throughout history he highlights the Benedictine monks, have developed what they call a, a rule of life. This is a picture of what a rule of life looks like. Now, rule of life, when you hear that word, it brings to mind the idea of a set of rules or principles that we follow, but the word for rule actually comes from this word trellis, a garden trellis like this. This is the rule of life. So what is a trellis and, and why do we need one? Well, the dictionary defines the trellis as an architectural structure, usually made from an open framework or lattice of interwoven and intersecting pieces of wood, bamboo, or metal. And it's made to support and display climbing plants, especially shrubs. So in this, in this spiritual image, you are the shrub this morning. You're welcome. Um, so what's this, what is the significance of this trellis, this rule of life? You know, in John 15, we, we preached about this a few weeks ago. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Every shrub... Every grape vine needs to have something to climb in order for it to receive maximum nutrition and sunlight and to thrive. If part of a plant, doesn't, if a plant like that doesn't have somewhere to climb, it just kind of sits in a clump and it dies and it rots and different parts of it are living, different parts of it are dead, it's not a pretty situation. But when there is a trellis of some kind, whether that be, whether that be a boulder that the vine climbs up, or whether that be a structure that we, that we build like this intentionally, now that's going to help us to bear fruit. And the image is, Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the life. Um, Jesus is the vineyard. And we are some of the branches that come out of that vineyard. But the life is in Jesus. It's, it's coursing through his veins into our veins as we abide in him. And a rule, a rule of life, a trellis is meant to, to lift not to earn our way to Jesus or to make some kind of magical thing happen. It's meant to put us into the sunlight of Jesus so that we can grow. Because everything that touches Jesus will grow. If you are meaningfully connected to Jesus, you will grow. And as you abide in him and learn to live your life in every part of your life in him, you will see the life of Jesus begin to course through your vine, if you will. So the, the, the rule, the trellis, is meant not as a magical magic bullet, but as a device that we intentionally set up to support our life with Jesus, to keep us connected to the vine and to keep growing. The, the rule is a set of practices that promote us spending time with and remaining in Jesus, that we might love God and love others and be transformed by God's presence in us. 
And once we've established a rule of life, once we put that rule into practice, we begin to know God more, to be transformed by God's presence, and to bear fruit for God because we are relating to Jesus in more significant ways. We are abiding in Jesus. All that comes into play as we follow a rule for our life. Um, your, your life will seek a trellis, a rule. Um, it, it's, your life is seeking structure. Like a vine, we, we, we're connected to Jesus, but then we, we climb and we try to find structures. And if we don't, if we don't find a structure that's, if we don't create a structure, then maybe we'll just grow and be in a clump. But through setting up intentional spiritual practices in our lives, we can grow and be healthy. The best structures that can promote the best growth are spirit-led, things that we plan out intentionally and that we put into practice. Throughout Christian history, everyone from Daniel and Noah, you'll read about Daniel's rule in the, in the book, and Abraham to Jesus and John the, John the Apostle and the Apostle Paul, uh, they lived life from the vision of, from the place of a life with God, spending time with God. You know, you notice Jesus obviously spends time in the scriptures. Jesus, the Son of God, immerses himself in the word of God. Jesus uh, spends time in solitary places, in solitude. Jesus, you know, if anyone doesn't need spiritual disciplines, wouldn't it be the Son of God? Yet Jesus needed these pieces for his trellis. Or at least he modeled the need for these things. He spent time in community, in, in, in ministry, in sacrifice, um, ultimately giving his life in silence. Um, people throughout Christian history have created simple structures to lift up their relationship with God in order to abide in Jesus and bear much fruit. And there's a cloud of witnesses of people that have come before us that had their own trellises and their own ways of connecting to God. Maybe there's people that you know that have inspired your faith who had a certain thing that they did that connected them to God very, very deeply. Um, I've, I've shared about my, my, my grandmother, who's my greatest spiritual inspiration you know, from, from the time I was a child. And every day when I woke up at my grandmother's house, she was in the breakfast nook, and she was, had her Bible open, and, she, and more often than not, she was on the phone with somebody who she was ministering to, sharing the word of God with, praying for. And she, she was someone that attracted people to her who had a lot of issues and problems. And I think the reason for that is because God had given her so much grace through her time with him that she was able to, to love and encourage people. And I would, it was such an amazing thing for, for, a, for a young guy to wake up you know, run downstairs, maybe I want to watch television, maybe I want some, some waffles or whatever, and to see my, my grandmother in the Word of God, in prayer, and, and she'd say, hey, come on, come on, come on, come pray with me. And then she'd call me over. Um, that's, she's had some amazing, she has some, had some amazing structures in her life that pointed her to Jesus and helped her to abide in him, and she bore fruit for Jesus, and she bore fruit for Jesus even in the lives of people she ministered to. We all know people that have great, um, structures for their faith to help them grow. But everyone throughout Christian history has had these, these structures they've built in their lives to seek after God. Structures like, like meditation, like prayer, like living in community intentionally, like giving and sacrificial giving, 
like silence and, and observing the Sabbath. These are all um, pieces that in themselves do not have power, but they, they have power because they're connected to us in our relationship with Jesus. And, and through Jesus, anything that touches him grows and has, has uh, a future. So as I'm sharing today, I want you to take a look at this trellis that I handed out. And this is the one that's from the book. And um, I want you to think about this trellis as being your life with God in Christ. You are the vine. You are the branches. God is the vine. You are climbing up this trellis. And I want you to ask God to begin revealing to you what your personal trellis is to be to support your, your, your relationship with God. Now, this is a spirit-led endeavor. There are certain foundational things that are going to be true of everyone's trellis, but there are other things that are going to be specific for you, and God will lead you to build what is good so you can abide in Christ. A spirit-led endeavor. You know, not all trellises will look exactly the same. People have different needs, different relational styles. Um, each trellis will have some uh, common characteristics. Now, I hope that as we meet together over, the, over these weeks and talking about this book, to share with you the things that have been meaningful to me and helpful to me in my relationship with God. But the whole, the whole idea is to be connected meaningfully to Jesus and to be exposed to maximum sunlight through these disciplines so that we can draw near to God. The scripture that I've been reflecting on the last couple of weeks in regard to this trellis idea is found in Romans 8.29. And it says, for, God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This, this passage is in the context of a, of a bigger discussion about a Christian dealing with suffering. Um, Paul was always telling Christians to expect to suffer. If Jesus suffered, so will we. But in this passage, Paul has an encouragement for the church. What he's saying is, nothing in this life, nothing, even suffering, will be lost. But all things, including suffering, will lead Christians to being more closely conformed to the image of Jesus, which is our ultimate destiny. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. This is your destiny. God's going to use suffering and many other things to do that. He's going to use your trellis to do that. But you, the encouragement underneath all of this is that you have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That is the direction that your life is going. And it will be made complete. Not in this life, but in the next life when we see him face to face, that work will be complete. But in this life, we, can, we get conformed if we work with God, work with his Holy Spirit. We become conformed to the image of Jesus. We are predestined to be, be conformed to Jesus. It's our destiny. And God can accomplish this through redeeming our suffering in the world. And God, God accomplishes this in overdrive when we obey the scriptures, which call us to seek hard after God. That's the message of the Bible. If you read the Psalms and other places, and Jesus, the scriptures advise to seek after God. And said, so keep on knocking, keep on knocking on that door. Those who seek will find. To them who knock, the door will be opened. We are predestined to be conformed to Jesus' image. 
So today, so this, this series is going to be about making a plan for your relationship with God and putting that plan into practice that you might abide more closely in Jesus and begin to bear fruit for God, begin to bear more fruit for God. I really love uh, what really spurred me on with this whole Romans 8.29 thing was I was on the Campus Crusade for Christ webpage, and this is what they said about spiritual transformation on that page. Paul, in his letter to the Roman church, talks about transformation. He tells his readers, quote, those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Romans 8, 29. The process of being conformed to the image of Jesus is what followers of Jesus call spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is God's work. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's an act of grace that transforms and changes you. It's a, it's a gift. But the fact that it's the Holy Spirit who is at work in you doesn't mean that you don't play any part in this. There are things that we must do in response to the Spirit's work to listen to him and experience healthy spiritual growth. And these things have been traditionally called spiritual disciplines. Parts of our rule, parts of our trellis, many different images for this. So spiritual disciplines organized into a plan for our relationship with God is what we are talking about when we speak of this trellis or the rule of life. We make plans for everything. We make plans for our career path. We make plans for our retirement. We make plans for the important relationships in our life. We make plans for education, for our children, for our homes. But as Christians, we often neglect to plan for the most important relationship we have, which is our relationship with Jesus. That doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you plan on ways to abide in Jesus and then go through those things to draw near to Jesus. I think that somewhere along the line, we started thinking, well, if I'm making any, it's all God's work, and so I don't really, I, I'm more of a passive receiver of, of God's work. Well, it's true that it's a gift from God, but once we are affected by the grace of God, we're called to, to action. You know, we cannot, as, as Ken makes this point in the book, we can't generate the wind of the Spirit in our lives but we can lift our sail and prepare to, to, to go with Jesus where he leads us. Now, we don't control God. We don't control what God does. We just put up our sail to catch the wind of God as it blows over us. And that wind is, is God's grace, God's work, um, God's gift. But the sail is what makes us move. So these, these rules that we make for our lives, these, this trellis that we construct, it's meant to catch the wind of the Spirit so that we can draw near to God. We all know that earning God's grace is futile. We can't earn it. It's a gift from God. But the things we do in our relationship with God, these spiritual practices, these spiritual disciplines, um, these can create space in our lives to enjoy our friendship with God, to benefit from it, to take in everything that he wants to pour into us. You know, these practices enable us to receive the life of God. Ken points out that the goal of these practices is not to achieve a balanced life, which is what our culture tells us to try to do, um, but to live with Christ in the center of everything that we do. The goal of these disciplines is to live with Christ at the center of everything that we do. If you think about your life as being a, a, a bed sheet that's stretched out, and you have little Lego guys representing different parts of your life, here's my work, here's my home, God should be like a bowling ball, and everything should flow towards God, towards God in the middle. Pushing down, pulling everything towards itself. Um, 
Jesus at the center of our lives is the goal. And I think that's why the scriptures tell us to do disciplines like fasting, like sacrificial giving, like silence and meditation. These are things, um, these are things that will interrupt your life and your normal way of doing things. You know, God wants us to, wants to interrupt our lives and he wants us to live for, with him in the center. Ken talks about this idea, and I want to read this, this quote talking about the rule of life. Ken says, perhaps you walk your dog each morning, go to church on Sundays, and have pizza with your extended family on Thursday evenings. These patterns are part of your rule. They reflect something you, can sit, you consciously or unconsciously value. Caring for your dog, worshiping in community, spending time with your family. Monks choose to live a monastic life because they want to organize their lives around a divine center. You might never join a monastery, but you share in that yearning to make Jesus the center of your life. And that's why it's important for us to grasp that these intentional rhythms are not just useful for people in a monastery. Now, these can be a gift for ordinary people in everyday lives, working mothers, stay-at-home dads, dentists, plumbers, accountants, realtors, students, artists, the more immersed we are in the world with all the pressures that pull us away from God, the more helpful a rule is going to actually be. It's an interesting thing to think about how, how busy we are and how much we have to do. And we're very, very driven in this culture. And uh, the things in our lives often pull us away from that peaceful center with Jesus. And these stru simple structures we create pull us, pull us back into a place where Jesus is the center of our lives. I wanted to kind of uh, conclude looking at the different parts of this rule. This is what we're going to be looking at in the next several months in our small groups. So he, de he develops uh, this idea saying four R words. Roots, relate, restore, and reach out. So you see here in the plain black print is those, those sections. The roots are foundational things that are going to be true of every believer for the most part. One of those roots he identifies is Sabbath, finding, finding oasis and rest for body and soul, to work from rest, not rest from work, having Sabbath with God. Another one of those roots he says is prayer, deepening your friendship with God, increasing your conversation with God. And then the fourth, the third thing he puts in there is scripture reading, sacred reading of God, feeding on God's word. So building from that foundation of Sabbath, prayer, in scripture, um, other things pop up at the top. The next level up is relate. This is in regard to the important relationships in our lives. Um, who are our spiritual companions for the journey in Christ? Who are the people we're walking with in our church, in our home? How about our sexuality? How, how do we use our sexual energy in healthy ways to honor God's design in our lives? And family life. How is our family factoring into this, this trellis, those three important areas. The, the third level is restore. And he puts in care for your body, play, and money. These are things that God calls us to focus on in this area. And finally, get to the top of the trellis and you see reach out, work, you know, finding God on Monday in your job, justice, bringing heaven to rule upon the earth and witness how a rule leads you up and out to witness for Jesus in the world. Now these are going to be some of the foundation stones 
that we lay in the coming weeks as we see what God's word has to say about each of these things. And as I said, this is not a magic bullet. This is not a quick fix. It's not meant to be a spiritual formula that will ensure success. It's just simply a man-made, scripture-inspired framework from which you can create your own rule of life. And I hope that looking at, looking at these aspects of our life and what makes up our lives and, and thinking about this trellis, um, I'm hoping it gives us a way of thinking about our spiritual life that's a little bit more concrete, that will stoke our imagination so that we can create our own rules with God, so we can create our own rituals and rules uh, that, that grow us into disciples of Jesus abiding in Christ. Because, you know, since... Since I heard this teaching about the rule, of course, I, I already knew as a Christian, you already know as well, I knew about the idea of Sabbath. I knew about the idea of prayer and, and, and Bible reading. I hadn't thought through all the other aspects of this thing, but those are things I knew about and I wanted to practice, and I practiced, but not in an um, organized fashion in my life. But since I began um, with this idea of a rule, and I ended up reading another book about uh, about some of the, the monasteries that have different rules for their people. Um, I, I've benefited extremely a lot from this. And, I, and, I even, and today I can say that, you know, this is something I had to come upon to continue to grow in my relationship with Christ. This was the, this was the step that helped me to come out of a rut and to go into a, a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And, you know, this day I can't picture not living with some kind of rule in my life. Um, not, to not be able to sit in stillness and silence before God, to not be meditating on scripture the way I have been. Um, these are things that have benefited me greatly and I can't even picture living without. And the reason is not because there's anything magical about this trellis. The reason is because it's placed God in the center of my life where he deserves and belongs. You know, and when Jesus is at, is at the center, everything that touches Jesus grows and has life. So I really... I really encourage you to take hold of this journey along with me as we each individually figure out how does God want me to make him the center of my life? What's my trial going to look like? We're going to have some similar pieces and some different pieces. We're going to be discussing these things in our small groups and in, in service. But to, to, uh, to end today, the message, I wanted to share some of the, the guidelines that Ken gives as we begin this journey together. And uh, here's the eight things that Ken came up with. I'm just amazed at his mind. But he advises us, in terms of this trellis, to start simply. And this is, I, I shared last week about, about uh, how I tend to be the all or nothing, you know, pedal to the metal, and then it fizzles out. This is advocating small changes practiced over time to grow your spiritual muscles, to be training for relationship with God. So start simple. Begin by adding a small practice that will help you become more aware of God. These are Ken's words, not mine. Set a, a, a chime on your watch as a reminder to direct your attention, even for a moment, to God. Begin your day with a brief time of silence to acknowledge your dependence on God. Or take a few minutes in the evening to think about your day and savor something for which you are grateful. Now, these simple practices can make you more mindful of God. Now, what small thing can you do to just draw a little closer to God to begin abiding in, in the vine? So start simply. Um, build slowly. Look back at the core practices of the rule 
is there one core practice, Sabbath, prayer, spiritual friendship, witness, that would be most fruitful for you to begin with? There's no, there's no rules about the order in which these things can go. Is there something that you think, after prayer, would become fruitful for you to begin with, that you could be encouraged in, in your faith? And Ken says, do you sense the Holy Spirit leading you to focus on one particular aspect of the rule? And for me, it was sitting in silence before the Lord. That was really the, the first thing that I sought to do. And um, I'm used to sitting alone and praying. I'm used to praying with other people. I'm used to doing lots of stuff with my mind and my creativity when I'm being with God. But I felt God calling me to, to sit in stillness before him, to be still and know that I am God. And I, I just set a little alarm on my, on my, on my phone. Five minutes in stillness. You know? It was hard at first to still my mind and to draw near to Jesus. But pretty soon, not very long after this, the five minutes became, you know, I'd like to do this for ten minutes. And now I crave it. I crave the presence of the Lord in silence. I long to go back to my office and sit on my couch and close my eyes and just be still before the Lord. It's been so life-giving to me. What would be most fruitful for you to begin with? How is God leading you to focus on one aspect of the rule? The third guideline that Ken gives is prune regularly. Pruning strips us of what is non-essential to the power of God's life rising within us. But it also gathers and focuses energies previously dispersed in draining distractions or even apparent worthy commitments. If you're going to add something to your plate, consider taking something off of it. This is a lesson that all of us definitely need to learn. This is a cultural condition that we're in where we're, we're always adding to our plate and not taking anything off of it. But yeah, prune regularly. Strip what is non-essential. Even some things that are worthy commitments. Maybe it's time to, to prune them off for a season as God works in your life. The fourth thing Ken says is be energy conscious. When, when during the day is your energy most available? How many people are here are morning people? Is anyone here an evening person? Wow, that must be awesome. <laughs> I'm so fried in the evenings. I'm so fried I can barely remember to go to, go to bed at night, you know? The kids are, it's the age of our children right now, I'm sure. Yeah, when is your energy most available to you, you know, throughout the day? When are you most creative and attentive? When do you enjoy being with people the most? And when is your energy least available? And Ken says, if you can, schedule your work, your family time, and your rhythms for prayer and solitude at optimal times for you. Um, definitely for me, it's, it's going to be early in the morning. The productive stuff t- tends to happen before the afternoon for me. So when can you schedule a time when you're most likely to have the energy to do it, if you will? Not everyone can do things the same way. We've got to be conscious of ourselves. Here's a wise uh, thing. Ken says, number five, consider your life stage. Your rule must also take into account your season of life. He says, when I was a single person, my rule looked different. When I got married, it changed. When I became a parent, my rule took a different shape yet again. A rule for a single person and for a parent of young children ought to look drastically different. You know, there, as I said, there, there's, everyone's life looks different at 
different commitments, different time and energy drains in everyone's life. Um, what stage are you in in life? And, you know, instead of comparing yourself to someone who's drastically different from your life, you know, perhaps you need to think about your stage of life. Number six, he says, stay flexible. If something comes up and we cannot keep our rule for a period of time, there's no need to fret or be anxious. We need a rule that bends. That's why this says the rule that bends on it. We don't exist for the rule. The rule exists for us. That's when Jesus' big complaint to the, to the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law. He said when they were criticizing his Sabbath practices, Jesus said, man was, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And we often get that twisted. We, we become religious and we say, you know, these things need to be done a certain way. There's no flexibility. But the rule bends. The rule exists for our benefit, to draw near to God and abide in him. You know, these rules are made for you, not you for the rules. You're not supposed to get pulled into this um, rat race here. That's how life is. Let's not let our spiritual life feel that way. Seven. This is my favorite one. Make time for fun. A rule of life will also include times of fun that bring joy. Ideally, our rule will include things that bring renewal and refreshment. Now, I had a friend, uh, one of my seminary professors, and he said that his uh, fun time was drawing, driving a convertible. And so he made a practice to like once a year rent a convertible and go driving. And that made him really happy. It was fun. I mean, we're not known to be the most fun people, you know. <laughs> as Christians, we're not known to be as much, much fun sometimes. But we're supposed to have fun. We're supposed to enjoy our time. And uh, make sure that we include um, things in our rule to play, to, have, to have, have fun. And number eight, finally, a rule of life is meant to be lived out in community. That's why we're doing this in our small groups. That's why we want, we're wanting to hear from small groups as they process the book. A person is most likely to be formed in a school of love, a community where people learn firsthand to offer and receive care, which is what a small group does. Eight out of ten people who were surrounded by a supportive community were able to make necessary lifestyle adjustments. A similar dynamic occurs in our spiritual lives. If we want to experience ongoing transformation in Christ, it will most likely happen in the spiritual ecosystem of a loving, supportive community. As we, as we close, we're going to take a look at uh, Hebrews 3, 12 to 13, as the worship team comes forward. This is just an encouragement to us as we go forward in this venture. He said, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. Now quite the opposite of, of what this passage is warning against. You know, we are um, encouraging each other to draw near to God. We're encouraging each other to build these infrastructures of, of, um, of, of spiritual disciplines that help us to grow. And so this morning, I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you can take this home with you and begin making some notes about how God is speaking to you. I think for some of you people, um, you people, for some of you people, um, 
part of this rule is going to be you know, time in nature, time in God's creation. Part of this rule might be time singing musical worship. Some of you, the rule might include time to do some writing, some journaling, uh, writing poetry or, or, or fiction or nonfiction. Uh, there's, there's really no limit to the ways that we can abide in Christ. They're, they're permissible for us, but foundationally, rooted in Sabbath and prayer and in the scripture, we can build a rule that will support our life with God so that we're not just growing like a vine onto rocks and up the sides of buildings, but we have an intentional um, system set up to keep us in deep connection to Jesus Christ from whom all of this life proceeds. You know, I, I, I really took it to heart a few years ago when I was reading Paul, the Apostle Paul. He said, he said something to the extent, to the, uh, some, something with this, this message. I can't think of the, the reference. The energy of love, something about the energy of Christ powerfully at work in him. You know, that he had, Paul had this center of Jesus' energy that drove him from that place to do all the things that he did. That he could feel the power of Christ within him churning and moving creatively. Um, there, there is a, a life that comes from, being a, from abiding in the vine. It cannot be duplicated or um, manufactured. It has to be tended. It has to be tended like, like a vine, like a branch on a vine. So, you know, my prayer is that all of you, all of us would draw near to God through this, that we'd all grow into uh, some practices that really help us to abide in Christ and that we'll see how God shapes us and guides our family as we do that. So let's, uh, let's pray and then we're going we're gonna to worship singing a closing song to God, asking him to build our life on his love. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this book. And uh, as unconventional as today's teaching time was, um, I, I thank you just for the big picture that you were able to get through to us. God, inspire us. Inspire us, God. We want to seek hard after you, God. I want to see your work in my friends in this body. I want to see how when we all connect to the vine, what the branches can look like together. I want to see us spurring each other on to, to good works and good fruit. I want to see us taking the opposite of the cynical perspective of the world and taking some time out, some time, some quiet time to connect and abide with Jesus to live from a place of rest and belonging and family and friendship. To see the work that you did on the cross work its way into our lives. Not just that we are saved from our sins, but that the power of Christ that raised Jesus to life, the power of the Holy Spirit would be let loose in each of us. I long for, this, for the Sundays when each of us come here with such a deep sense of being connected to you and grounded in the faith that whether we are having a difficult time in life or a, or a more easy time in life, that we can be encouraging and be encouraged by one another as we worship you together. So bless your church, God. Grow us into the head of this church who is Christ, that every part of this body abide in Jesus. Let us experience your provision and your grace for us in these practices of faith. 
And I thank you that all of this is rooted in the gift. What an amazing, amazing thing. That's all a gift from first to last. So let us take hold of this gift. Let us unwrap this gift and share this gift with everyone we meet.